Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 119. This week, we talk with Darren May and Jerry Nixon about developing UWP applications for Xbox. Azure gets GPU capabilities. And we get the best feedback we've ever seen. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. This week we have Darren May. He's president and co-founder of Crank to 11, a digital agency that produces next level experiences. And he does a lot of UWP and XAML development. Welcome, Darren. Hi, how are you doing? Good. And we also have the fourth time reigning champion, Jerry Nixon, developer <laughs> developer evangelist <laughs> from Colorado. And he also does a lot of UWP and XAML development. How's it going, Jerry? Hi, Carl. and of course we have carl who just got back from that conference how was that conference carl it was excellent so you know funny thing is i actually just saw jerry yesterday yeah 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 and you think that's yeah, yesterday funny? from that's, our point that's of why view. you have that glow Carl. That's yeah that kind of <laughs> yeah, i thought it was tinge. because of the lack of sleep and uh yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday. So Carl has sent me all of the audio from that conference, but I haven't listened to it yet. So the people listening to this episode have already heard it and I haven't heard it. So our listeners get to hear it before I do, if that makes sense. I don't think it makes sense, but it does but, at the same but time. But you have to edit it yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jerry, but they'll have already seen a Star heard Trek it. episode about that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm already doing it. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. Those are the best episodes. Yeah, but we had a blast Every there. Uh, Jerry gave away a lot of our swag. Mm-hmm. He did <laughs> oh, in, really? the, in the middle of recording too. So you, you'll you'll find that out, Jason. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> Here you want one of these. Here you want one of these. So he's right in the middle of this question. Huh? He's getting to like these serious questions, asking me, and I'm like, "Hey, kid." The whole time. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe he made the mistake of having you on. <laughs> Although now we're just we're just doing it again. Four four times the punishment here. We don't learn. Yeah. Okay. So did you want to talk about these mugs, Carl? These um, home defense uh, weapons. Like I don't learn. Yes. So we finally got our mugs printed that we talked about a while back. Yeah. So yeah. Jerry's got one. I've got one. You've got one. So the people on video are getting assaulted by. Oh yeah, the people on audio are like, "What's mugs. going on?" And uh, oh, Jerry, I got something to show you then. <laughs> we got a bunch. You- we had we had a bunch of these given out at that conference, but we didn't give them out to just anybody because they're mugs. Oh, nice, nice. We gave out a lot of these sweet plastic cups. So now Jason's showing off Star Trek. I have a Captain Kirk doll. Well, I was showing that it had Spock in it, but I just want to prove you could put the whole crew in <laughs> one mug. It's a gigantic <laughs> mug. <hilarious. laughs> so nobody's gonna. And I'm totally changing the subject. But that uh, mug is the this section of the uh, Enterprise. Do you see what I paid for this? So these things normally sell for 50 bucks. I was at a little shop and they sold this for $12. Oh my gosh. They didn't know what they had. I know. And actually like, the guys, the guys like everybody keeps telling us that this should be selling for more. And I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> it's a Captain Kirk doll and a book. And I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. I got to collect dolls. <laughs> Although I do have this. Yes. <laughs> it's an action. Just to hand. He didn't even just have to move for it. <laughs> Jerry's right. got a pile he's, of he's, got a, he's talking to her. Uh, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh, wait. I do have this awesome one. Check this out. Okay. So Jerry's got the entire Look at crew. This. Like, 
It says, oh, boldly no. go. Oh. <laughs> it goes on the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, everybody, you got to go check out the video feed on uh, Channel 9 because, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jerry is a collector. That is awesome. You're gonna get a cease and desist. With, yeah. I, I went to I went to the marathon, the, the Star Trek marathon. One, yeah. two, three, back to back. Two days before it released, it was awesome. And and look, they gave me they gave me this. Um, it's a patch. Oh, that's I, cool. I mean, I don't know who actually wears patches anymore, but I yeah, one. yeah. yeah. And the and the the collector uh, and the collector. He's off. He'll, he'll come back in about an hour now. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> what are we here talking about again? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. Carl, anything else you want to mention about that conference? No, it was just a really great time uh, to be there, meet everybody, talk to a lot of really cool people about a lot of things, and uh, yeah, everybody will have heard it already. So it, yeah. it was just 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 fun. So I I have Carl. To go I think next for year. a um I think for a, a a community conference, it's the most high end community conference I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. You know it it is. So uh, one of the things that happened, I wasn't going to mention it, but I got interviewed by Seth Juarez for Channel Nine. And somebody had taken a picture and posted it on my behalf and I put it on Facebook and everybody was like, oh my gosh, what an amazing professional level, you know, thing just because it was up on the set that on on the main stage. And it was just, it really did look like it was like, uh, you know, several hundred thousand dollars stage. And it was just, it was the most beautiful picture, not because of me and Seth. Well, more Seth than me, (laughs) but I mean, it it just looked really nice. It was an awesome setting. Um, Vote at feedback at msdevshow.com. Who looks better? <laughs> yeah, we don't Seth have to. Carl. It's a lot like where you were recording, you know, in the corner in front of the closet. Yeah. Yeah. They had us on the side. Yeah. That's okay. That's, awesome. That's funny. That's funny. You did have the best looking booth, though, as far as like color. We did. We had awesome. we, we had color in. Everybody else had boring booths. We had awesome ones. And we had awesome stuff to give away. Mm-hmm. Jason, you missed everything. I know. I have to make it next year. I have to make it next year. But anyway, I got to try to keep this show on track because we have some awesome feedback this week for the Infragistics Ultimate Winner of the Week. So tell us about yeah. this one, Carl. So Jason said this just might be the best feedback we've ever gotten. So yes. if you've got better feedback, we want to hear it. Absolutely. So this came from an email from Jesper Bonsgard, And he said uh, he just finished listening to all of the episodes that we've ever done. And he has to say he has loved every minute since he started listening to the show, which he only started in January. He's started working out and has lost 40 pounds already started using his standing desk as an actual standing desk instead of adjustable height desk. He's talked to his computer with Cortana and used bots with it. He's bought and used pocket cast, the podcast app to the point where it's the most used app on his phone and even gave a picture that says he's listened to like over seven days of content on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played with Azure Functions, Microsoft Cognitive Services, UWP Apps, Electron Shell, Template 10, VS Code, Xamarin, Windows 10 IoT Core, and others that he's forgotten at this point. And he's also spammed every single deb that he knows with all the stuff that he's learned from the episodes. And then he ends up ends it saying, and has it been fun? Hell Yeah. So thanks for making an interesting podcast that makes a daily commuting less annoying with podcasts, with interesting guests and topics and news that are still interesting even years later. Amazing sound quality and fun and lots of fun. Go make another episode. I'm out. So (laughs) thank you, Jesper. That was pretty epic. And you've actually done a ton of stuff. So if you have an Xbox, today's going to be a fun day for you. Yeah, this is this is just this is awesome. So we we love you. I kind of wish he had submitted this for for a swag bag, even though we don't really have any right now. But um, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe he can mention this again the next time we do that. <laughs> yeah, he's a shoe so in. so. If you have anything that tossed Jesper's uh, 
comment or not, uh, if you want to get mentioned on the show, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We really like those five-star iTunes reviews. And just as a little bit of housekeeping update, I was a little bit behind on giving Infragistics all of the winners, so I got everybody who sent in an email. If you had won and uh, hadn't heard anything yet, I do need your email address. So send that to feedback at msdevshow.com or DM me on Twitter. Uh, we'll get that in. Awesome. Okay, so let's jump into the news. So what do we got here? Flash and Chrome. What's going on now? I thought Flash was dead. So it's dead, but people are still using it. <laughs> Not dead yet. Apparently. Not dead yet. Not dead yet. It's no more than Flash uh, per- <laughs> Just a Flash room. yeah. I like how you do the accent. It's really close. I know. To it, it, it's uncanny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so what's going on, Carl? So apparently Chrome is... Going forward, if you if it sees on your page that you're using HTML5 and Flash, even if you're saying even if you tell it to use Flash first, if it sees that HTML5, it's going to emphasize that first. So it's going to prioritize that and de-emphasize Flash wherever it can. Okay. So I Sounds think it's good a good move me. forward and kind of important if you're a dev and working on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think kind of the the key sites out there have have gotten rid of Flash now and support HTML5, which is uh, which is great. Um, because yeah, there's, there's browsers now and mobile platforms and that, I mean, if you still have flash content, if it, if that's your only outlet, then that's going to be a big problem. Well, actually the article that you linked to is very interesting because what they're saying there is that 90% of flash is actually used behind the scenes now for analytics. And that's Mm -hmm. really what's slowing things down. So I think there's less and less emphasis on it for interactive content, more for this kind of dynamic scripting and monitoring and those kind of things. And so yeah, people have even used it to access the clipboard and, and then there's just, there's so many vulnerabilities too. Yeah. I'm always surprised, aren't you, when you come to a site and it has Flash? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or or Silverlight, honestly. I'm, I'm amazed that enough time hasn't passed already for everything to be expunged from the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and those still... sites that tell you you need to update Flash, do you ever get to those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you just leave happen. the site. Yeah, honestly, like I'm, it, that, that's kind of like the, the indicator that's dead for me is like when, when I come to something that says like, you know, you need to install Silverlight or Flash or whatever. Um, I'm at the point now where I just say, no, I'm just going to avoid this right now. Like nothing, there hasn't been anything important enough for me to, to do either of those things. So yeah, there's that raw wound got scraped open again. You mentioned the silver light word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he always has to do it. Okay. So fog Creek kills harmony. Yeah. So quite a few years ago, fog Creek had for their version control system in kiln, they allowed you to do either Git or mercurial Mm -hmm. and, they created this technology called Harmony that lets you you push in your code with one and pull in another. You could mix and match as much as you wanted, and it would just translate. And from either side, it looked like it was always done in Mercurial or always done in Git. And I actually had used that quite a bit because I had started using Mercurial before Git, and I'm still a little bit more comfortable with Mercurial. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what I would do is my personal repository would be in Kiln, and if I wanted to uh, push that private repo to a public one, I would use Harmony to just push that to my public GitHub account. It was definitely for the me, easiest converter. <laughs> it, it was so easy to do. And they announced that uh, it's actually been really hard for them to upkeep. And uh, starting se- uh, September 15th, that they're no longer going to be uh, providing that service anymore because it was affecting people that weren't even using it. Yeah. So unfortunately for people like me, I didn't use it a whole lot, but it was still kind of useful. Um we're not going to have that feature anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other reason why I wanted to get this out is they, uh, 
I haven't seen a blog post about this. They're only sending out email or if you log and into I the site, this. Yeah. if you log in, they'll put a, a little banner on the page saying, hey, just so you know. But it, it's kind of interesting. They haven't been super public with it. Yeah. Well, I think it's fine that it's going away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've just outed them. They're like, no. Okay. Microsoft Ready's Azure GPUs. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were really, really waiting for this. So big companies that do a lot of uh, GPU-related computation or rendering and, um, you know, we're switching over to Azure. We're just banging down our door to, to get this functionality. And, you know, the engineering teams wanted to make sure that they, they did it right. So it, it, it took a while. I mean, AWS had this functionality for a few years. I think Azure has um, caught up or I, it actually, based on everything I've been reading, they've, you know, passed up uh, AWS. If you read the, the Hacker News comments, um, they were talking, this is a couple of years, newer technology, you know, newer GPUs. And then from a pricing perspective, you actually get a lot more for your money uh, because you're actually getting a physical card assigned to that uh, to that virtual machine. So you actually get a lot more value out of this. So if GPU rendering um, or computation, either one of those two workloads is something that you've been waiting for and wanted to do that in the cloud, then wait no longer. Wait no longer. It was a blocker for a lot of startups too. Yeah. So I'm excited to see this uh, finally arrive. Yep. And look, we can do it on the desktop now, right? You can you can code directly to the GPU today. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it when you go to the server. It was kind of a bummer. Now you can. Yeah, which kind of makes sense. I mean, it was just kind of an awkward thing. I mean, usually, you know, these servers are headless. So putting a video card in them is kind of awkward. But, you know, the world has changed. Like, GPUs are so good for computation. And then obviously we have, you know, 3D rendering and we need to send that over things like remote desktop. So, you know, the world just changed and, and we needed this functionality. And, well, it's there now. Okay, the people's code. Yeah, the White House announced today or yesterday that uh, they're having this new federal source code policy that's going to force government agencies on new custom software they build to kind of share that code. Okay. Now, the one the one thing for me that was a little dis- disappointing is it doesn't say that it, they have to share it with us, the people paying for it, <laughs> but they have to at least share it with other government agencies in, in order to reduce the amount of, you know, redundancy that, you know, they're not paying for the same code to be written several times. So this is a step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we finally get the source code for that iPad app that, you know, has the arrow that points left <laughs> that to right? Tap, 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 tap. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how badly that was written. <laughs> That's quite an assumption. I mean, you would think for $300,000, it was awesome. Yeah. I know. I think I think you were on last time, Jerry, right? When we yeah. talked about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was it was probably the code was simple, but they had to pay all that money to make it inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> it's accessible. <laughs> yeah. I'm just That's trying. Awful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's probably like a certain uh, arrow color that like offends people, and they had they just had to do a lot of research to make sure everybody was happy with it. Right. The I'm edges to couldn't be too sharp. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make sure it was left-right language support. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some cultures, yeah, left might be up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is probably like the opposite of what we're doing right now. Right. Um, engineering the move to cloud-based services. So this was an article from Microsoft IT on actually using Azure. So as you can imagine, anybody within Microsoft that is not using 
um, Azure that's actually ordering physical servers is um, they have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> so uh, Microsoft IT is just talking about their whole trans- transition to Azure. And it's kind of interesting because there are people, you know, there's a lot of people here on site in Redmond um, and you need access to these cloud-based services. So how do you provide that? How do you move those things over to there? And how does that work? And from my perspective, I, I think this is great because you know, there are a lot of employees like Dare or like, um, sorry, like Jerry that are, are not in Redmond right. that, you know, had to jump through all these hoops to get at those, you know, corporate resources. And one, from my perspective, one of the big advantages of having all this stuff in Azure is just like the, um, sort of decoupling it from, from Redmond. So, um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's some advantages there. Cause Jerry, I don't know if you've noticed, um, you know, my, my experience working remote has been that things like, you know, Skype for business work, work a lot, you know, they work great from home. Um, and then also like, um, um, office 365, cause instead of trying to go through like this small pipe to get to the campus, you're actually going through this huge public pipe that everybody else is using, um, to get at your resources. Yeah. So, so I think it's just a better architecture, but what's interesting in this article too, is just some of the numbers they throw out. And I, I never know like which of these are public or not. And when they put it in a blog post like this, well, then I can assume they're public, uh, 120,000 employees. I think that's pretty widely known, but, um, what most people don't realize it says, um, uh, used by a combination of over 220,000 Microsoft employees and vendors. So you can sort of do the subtraction there. I mean, there's a, a hundred thousand basically contract employees, Yeah. Um, which is just this just massive army of, of people that people don't realize exists. 886 site locations. It's just <laughs> mind boggling how big yeah. Microsoft is. It's basically a, an office in every city. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is, right? Maybe yeah. Part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wasn't weren't you happy when they finally moved all the internal sites like MSW out to SharePoint? Yes. Could, yeah. I'm like, I might have to VPN in for that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, like there's I'm sure there's lots of people listening that are like, oh, my company isn't as forward thinking. So yeah. they have to go through some convoluted VPN. And yeah. you know, the thing is like at Microsoft, you can actually work, you can take a machine that's not even on the domain and and not even touch the corporate network, and you can actually get like ninety-nine percent of your work done. And yeah, now yeah. with the workplace join in Windows. Um, I noticed that they can actually enable the VPN through that. And I actually did some speed testing. So I have a hundred by hundred fiber connection at home. I can actually push files to and from the Microsoft campus at a hundred megabits. Wow. Like it, it saturates my connection. <laughs> I'm just like, this is a VPN. Holy crap. I mean, it's just my phone's the same way. I have auto VPN. Yeah. The auto I, VPN. I, I didn't even was. realize it was auto VPN until yeah. I started using internal. Ter- yeah. So you start access when you access internal resource, it is as fast as if, you know, it's as fast as your connection is. It's absolutely amazing. So it's just I think awesome. that's because they copy it all down locally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a secret, like, you know, terabyte hard drive. Cause they, it's a big blue you know, fan outside. Partition. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a hidden partition with, with uh, all of the world's knowledge on it in there. And, and it, you were, uh, if, if there's somebody like you were talking to that's like, my company's not as forward looking. I mean, you should know that Microsoft has to be one of the most forward looking in the yeah. world. And we got it a whole nine months ago. So, I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not like they're that far behind. Yeah. 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 yeah so I was, I was at a company recently and I'm not going to name names, but they, you know, they block Dropbox. So like Dropbox stops working on there. I think, I think OneDrive was unblocked 
And then, um, you know, it's basically like every port is, is the outbound port is deemed evil unless, you know, uh, considered otherwise. So when these companies start working with Azure, you know, they're like not able to connect to their virtual machines because they have RDP blocked and it's just super frustrating. And, and then, um, you know, so the company that I was at, I mean, they're, they're going to the system where like developers get like this special machine that they can do development on, but it's not allowed to connect to the internet. Um, and it's, I don't know, you're just sacrificing so much productivity in the name of security. And I'm sure it's in response to something specific. Um, but man, it's just painful. It's normally just think- the, uh, the default, um, it's better to deny everything than have to yeah. excuse a, uh, that mentality an issue you know and uh you know we always used to joke uh in previous sort of consultancies i used to work with the it was the uh the team that liked to say no because mm-hmm. you know it's far yeah. easier to say no than it is to justify all of these things and uh it's yeah. it's really interesting as you point out that the entire ecosystem of distributed features and functions that we're also accustomed to using now there are many many enterprises to which that is a completely closed area that they're stuck with their internal resources, archaic VPN that gives you no ability to do any outbound connection whilst you're connected to their VPN. You know, it's very yeah, you can't print to the printer next to you. Yes, you're, until you disconnect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, just crazy. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. <clears throat> it's frustrating. Although I'd say if if it were my dollar and I it was my company and I was paying, I'd be tempted to block YouTube. <laughs> yeah, Temp- be tempted. Well, not on the Facebook, not in the yeah. name of security either. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Well, so IT is like legal, and they're probably every all of our listeners are gonna hate me for this, but you know, it's just those those people. <laughs> they, <laughs> they the default answer is always no, right? Yeah. Like you know, can we can we do this this thing? You know, and you go to legal, and they say, well, no, don't do it, and then you know you have to force the issue, and then they say, well, you can do it if you do this. IT is the same way. Can we do this? No. Okay. Well, you know, we have to do this. Okay. Well, then you got to do it this way, and. Um, you know, I get there. And submit that in triplicate. Yeah, exactly. But the, you know, the world's changing, the world's changing. So anyway, yeah. So this article, it's, it's a, it's a good read. I mean, there's not a whole lot of detail, but it just shows, you know, Hey, we're a giant company. Uh, we're moving over to Azure. Um, there's a little bit of pain of course, cause it's just, you know, it's just any kind of change is going to be a little bit of pain, but, uh, in the end, the benefit is worth it. And, uh, yeah. So, and, and I'm starting to see the benefits of that. Okay, well, let's talk about UWP on Xbox. Because I just want to, I'm going to throw away all my computers. It's like these people that just like try to get real work done on an iPad, which fails miserably, by the way. I sold a Surface Book this week because uh, a guy was looking at it and he's like, well, I can't do any work on my iPad. I don't have a mouse, you know. <laughs> um, so, so am I going to throw away all my computers now and I can, I can start doing, uh, you know, just use my Xbox as my computer? <laughs> so, Basically, yeah. I think yeah. That's, the, that's the short of the story. <laughs> Okay, yeah. and that's all we okay, have for today. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so first, I think we should back up just just in case there are some developers that still don't might know not what know Xbox what Xbox is. Well, Xbox, well, they probably know what Xbox is, but UWP. So why don't you oh. tell us what UWP is? Uh, UWP is the future of Windows development. That's what it is. Uh, it's the it's the next gen of Windows development too. It's uh, every, it stands for a universal Windows platform, and it allows us to build applications that are cross architecture, so it runs on multiple. Um, processors, as well as uh, cross-family. Uh, we used to say cross-platform, cross but I think that's a little bit too frustrating for people. Yeah. Cross-family, as it goes, for, you can run on your desktop or on the HoloLens or phone. And like today, we're going to be talking about, you can also run it on the Xbox, which wasn't available until... August 2nd. Uh, Darren, last week. Yeah, yeah. August yeah. 2nd. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, this is really... what If you've already started building this type of app, this UWP application, these are the things you 
a developer needs to know in order to get it to work on Xbox. And to be super super clear, we mean Xbox One, not Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And we mean we don't mean games at all. This isn't a game conversation. This is a we we actually can contrast them to productivity apps. So this is a productivity app conversation. So everything but a game, and it can be so, a productivity app with gamification, but that's not quite the same. <laughs> so 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 if I had like a UWP app that I had already made for desktop or something or phone and it's like a card game or something i i can't get this on xbox you can but you have to go through id at xbox to do it xbox yes so so you can prototype using uwp development and if you believe you've got a a a strong game you can use that as the foundation for your application to id at xbox which can then unlock the opportunity to publish it as a game right so if if i have a game of any kind it can still be uwp but i have to Go over to this special ID at Xbox to get it public yep. published that way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, and ID stands for Independent Developer at Xbox, and it's a program. And there's a lot. It's it's very it's more stringent than the the productivity side. The productivity side, it's dev.windows.com. Submit your application, and I mean it's not immediately you're in, but pass that certification and you're in. And it's a lot simpler certification than being a game. All right. So it, so if I already have like maybe a Twitter client or maybe a text editor or something already written UWP. Can can I just publish that or get it, you know, hit build F5 to my Xbox and bam, I'm good? Yes, you can. But whether you should or not is the, uh, the broader <laughs> question. Um, right. I mean, basically, you can run any de- app that's designed for the desktop will run on the Xbox. And you could deploy it and run it without doing any major changes. The reason for that is when you run a a UWP on Xbox, by default, it enables a mouse mode analog. So you're using your Xbox controller. Your left joystick will move a mouse pointer around if anybody's ever used Internet Explorer or Edge on uh, the Xbox One. Then you have that mouse cursor. And then your right joystick, I'm waggling my thumbs around, so if you're not on video, it sucks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you use your right joystick, then you get a scrolling effect. So if you're in lists and so on, it'll scroll scroll things around. So you have an experience. The broader question is, is that the optimal experience for the platform? And obviously the answer is probably no. So you can then opt into doing additional development that will allow you to leverage and and focus on an experience for the Xbox as well. Uh, Darren, when when we start talking about all the things you have to do in order to make your app a good experience on Xbox, how big of an effort would you say it really is? So there are, as always, tiers to that answer. So switching off mouse mode. Hopefully not like, you know, tears from my eye. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can be. They can be. Your whole team okay. is falling. Both kinds of tears. Yeah. So, you know, initially a few things happen for you out of the box. So on the Xbox, there is this concept of a safe area. And it's designed around legacy televisions that couldn't uh, render information in what's called the overscan area or the border around your screen. So when you run a UWP application, by default, it gets its core window has a margin on it that letterboxes it inside the screen. Not a dramatic letterboxing, but puts it into the safe area. The next thing that happens is it scales up the UI by 200%. So that, you know, the idea being that if you've designed something for the desktop, you know, it's probably a foot and a half away from your nose. Your TV in your living room is probably 10 feet away from your your nose. So your, uh, your 12px font isn't going to be particularly legible when it's at that distance. So the system by default will automatically scale that up. So it's a 24px font, which is the recommended minimum. Um, and so you get those things. But 
If we then turn off mouse mode, then we actually need to look at how focus works in our applications and how, say, for example, we don't generally design anymore, although we should, we don't generally design anymore for tab order because we assume everybody's got a mouse now. But when you start tabbing in some of these applications and you see where your focus jumps all around the place, we need to really start thinking about those things when we're going to use a linear navigation model such as the Xbox, you know, where we click down on our down arrow, where does focus go? Yeah. We need to and, and, it's, and tab order has kind of changed a little bit, in, hasn't it? Where it used to be tab order, and it still is, by the way. Tab order is still numbered so that you can affect it wherever it goes. Mm -hmm. But in the Xbox world, that number isn't the issue. It's a visual tab order. Mm -hmm. It's very much, you know, if you move your stick to the right, you have this focus manager that's... Oh, it actually moves like the cursor as well? It'll move a yeah. focus rectangle. Ah, so that's okay. probably something we should mention. You know, in the anniversary okay. edition, uh, all across Windows 10 as a whole, the focus visual has completely changed. Instead of being the marching ants and the dotted outline around elements, and instead of most of the controls having focus visual states that are baked in that you can go and tweak around. Instead, we have a system focus visual that, as the name suggests, the system renders for us, that is a solid outline with an interior color as well that boxes the entire um, control. Yep. That is what you... Uh, but, uh, I want to make a quick shout out to that because when the, voc the focus visual has changed to be high contrast focus visual and it's way easier to see mm -hmm. that we built it or, or we included it. I say we now as Microsoft, but anyway, it's part of Xbox because Xbox needed it, but our visually impaired colleagues benefit as well, even on the desktop because it's such a better focus visual. You can oh, see yeah. where cool. your focus actually is. So it's, it's really cool how we did it for this, but everybody is kind of a winner of it. Yeah. It's also far more performant than it was before. Yeah, it's been done by the system and so on. But you can turn it off if you actually want to take it uh, take over it yourself. Especially after that after that point. <laughs> yeah, you can take it off because there might be some people you hate. Well, no, I, I can give you some concrete examples where you might want to do that. Uh, actually working on it. Where Xbox. you want to have a custom focus. Exactly. So if you imagine, you know, some of the, uh, say you're building something that shows uh, movies. You've got the, uh, the poster art and underneath it, you might have the title of the movie. So if you start thinking about laying those things out in a grid, you probably want the focus just to appear around the the poster art. You don't want it to also include the text underneath because it won't look particularly attractive. So that's a situation where you might want to override the system focus visual on that particular scenario. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so it, it, all the features we're about to talk about are controllable by the developer. Mm -hmm. But uh, many of them come, so lots of things get caused to your application automatically, like that 200% scale. Of course, the developer can go in and say, I don't want it to be 200% scale. Right. But out of the box, your UWP app, once you deploy it over onto the Xbox, automatically has these have these little gutters like mm -hmm. on the side, which are quite small. You're, you're right, Darren, that like, they're 40, 48, 48 and by 26. What's, what's the top? 26. Yeah. And so pretty small, really, but enough to make it so older TVs don't cut off whatever your content is as well. And so all of these things you get, they're all there. But then what no developer has ever developed for before is using a controller. Yeah. Right, that's right. where that's where it all really changes. Well, so before we get to that, one thing I wanted to understand was like Word, Excel, like those modern apps, do those work on my Xbox? 
In theory, they should. If they're a UWP application, okay. <laughs> then they absolutely should. I guess none of us have actually checked this door to see if yeah. they're in there. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a if you don't have a keyboard, it's going to be a rough experience to mouse or you know you find can the get, well, there's like a little keyboard attachment, right? Yeah, the controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. works. And also, you can plug a USB keyboard into your Xbox One, and that works too. Yeah, yeah. I think mouse I don't support know why is actually kind of this pain to myself. <laughs> a Bluetooth keyboard on S, probably, Darren. Yeah, I think, uh, and Bluetooth mouse is coming at some point in time. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because then I can uh, I can get my my uh, my Excel on <laughs> my Xbox. Right. I can show I my kids that there's all... more than games in the world. One thing I would that's say though, is that the currently your UWP experience on Xbox is much more akin to how, say, Windows 8 was in that you had a single application that was full screen. Right. You don't have windowing and those kind of things, mm -hmm. certainly in the current version. Right. Yeah. And, and if you've started to become accustomed to the APIs underneath and all the things you can do, there are a subset of APIs that simply don't apply to the Xbox. Things like inking aren't there because right. it, they kind of are irrelevant to an Xbox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you, if you don't do a runtime test to see if that capability is there, it, that is, if you're writing an app that runs on two things, then uh, you need to, the developer has to so it doesn't crash. Yeah, things like the okay. share contract and all that sort of stuff as well. Okay. Yeah. So I know that there's things that, that aren't there, um, but are there... You know, what kind of features do you get in UWP on Xbox that I won't get everywhere else? There's, to be honest, the there's a kind of an edge case which is multi-user applications. Mm -hmm. um, the um, you know, on a Windows desktop, you only have one person logged in and active at any point in time. Xbox does support multiple users engaged with the controller and so on, and you can right. actually request. Uh, the privilege to use a multi-user application in UWP, but it's actually so much of an edge case now that um, it's really not something that I think many people are Yeah, I never doing. thought of that. So does, is like player one the one that's controlling like the focus on that by default? So the way that UWP works by default, it's a single user application. So yes, right. the current active uh, account is the one under which your uh, UWP app is launched. And on previous sort of Xbox development, if you would have to handle user change events, where if you handed over to another user, you'd have to restart your environment, maybe pull in a different profile and so on and so forth. Mm. You don't do that at all in the uh, current UWP environment. Your application will actually close down if the user that launched it logs off of Xbox. Yeah. And it's also you have to be a logged in user. You can't have a guest account in order to be able to launch an app because it's going to verify that you have the license from the store to run the application. So right. a lot of the scenarios for Xbox development have been simplified. I would say you know, the reality is pretty much everything that you would expect to see on a desktop is present in UWP um, on yeah. the Xbox. There's a couple of things with credential lockers that are a work in progress that will be coming along in a little while, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and yeah. in terms of net new capabilities, there really aren't that. Yeah. Infragistics, Ultimate UX and UI tools, and Enterprise Mobility Solutions, SharePlus and Report Plus, enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics' Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. 
Try it today. Download a free trial at Infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset. What about like the extra buttons on the controller or anything? Am I able to receive those? You are. You can actually plug okay. an Xbox controller into your Windows 10 desktop. And oh, okay. So it's not even Xbox. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So basically, one thing that's interesting is... So on your controller, so for those of you at home, you can play along by watching my hands. Um, <laughs> the, they've mapped the keys on the controller to specific actions. So, for example, the B yeah. button will map to a, a back-requested event. And so the way that you do that is you, you can actually get your, your keys. And so you can get virtual keys, which says, okay, the system has translated this key to be equal to X. So you can do a common feature. So your left joystick and your D-pad all equate to the arrow keys on your keyboard. Mm -hmm. However, there's another value in the uh, key arguments, which is the original key. So you can actually then see and say, okay, it was a right arrow, but it was a gamepad. Uh, left stick, right action that initiated okay. that. So you can have different experiences if you want to be able to capture that and turn around and say, okay, I mean something different when I'm using my gamepad on the Xbox. Yeah, so the uh, the virtual keys enum where everybody catches all, you know, the enter or the escape or whatever, maybe you've never even noticed that all of the gamepad keys are already mm -hmm. there and they've been there since Windows 8 actually. Mm -hmm. We just okay. don't. We just don't think about using them. Now we will. Yeah. And and it is handy that they are all. Um, many of them, not all of them. Many of them are custom mapped or automatically mapped. And developers listening that are like, oh, I hate that. You can override that too. You can. Yeah. For example, it's like the menu button on your uh, gamepad. That maps to the context menu action inside an application to pop up a context menu or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So and if we, you're going to change, if you're going to change the behavior of your app so it doesn't map any other app or the operating system, you'd better have a good reason. Yes, it better be very, very good. Yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking through. Like, you know, I bring I bring an app over. Would you say in general, like, I, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't mess with what I get out of the box, right? It's it's probably pretty good out of the box. It is pretty good out of the box. Focus, though, is something that's often a challenge. Is there's the basic experience is very logical, but if you look at a lot of apps, a lot of apps are designed around the idea that your your interact the control you're going to interact with is completely independent. You know that you can move your mouse and you can click here. It doesn't matter how you got there because the mouse can magically move anywhere you like. Mm -hmm. So you have to really start thinking about the experience of your user. You want to try and minimize how many times somebody has to press a down or a left or a right action to get to a particular yeah. feature. If you've got it buried down to the bottom right on a, a toolbar or a taskbar, and there's 15 things that you've got to click through to get there, nobody's going to bother using your application. So you have to start to refactor your interaction paradigm there to really take into account this new method. And so that's where the redesign does come into play, that yes, everything will work. However, you can do a lot to improve it in that particular yeah, so like like the uh, like the list view as you as you tab around or as you move focus around in uh, in Xbox now as you go into a list view uh, the list view itself has focus and not the items and you can move on past it and not get trapped by the items but you can always select yeah, into the it focus there's a new property yeah it is focus uh, is focus is extended yeah is blah, 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 blah. there's yeah. a property i've got an app right here <laughs> there's a property that turns it on and off yeah exactly uh, one thing i was wondering too like my my xbox at home like do i have anniversary update like the, it, the, is it is it like a is it being pushed out really slowly to everybody or was it you know did everybody get it on the same day 
I think it was a staged rollout, but I think you should okay. have it by now. If you, as long as you've got set up in your system, you know, automatically updates. Yeah. You know, if you've got the um, the energy saver power mode on, which really shuts the system off when you turn it off, then it probably won't have updated. Okay. I'll have to check it because my kids, you know, they play like Minecraft on there every day and they didn't say anything. So I'm, you know, I'm just not even sure if it updated or not. So yeah. I'll have to check it and see if it, you know, some, cause a lot, I'm just on all their computers and everything. Like I'm just kind of waiting to let it go through, you know, mine, of course I got the update like right away and I was anxious to get it, but for all of their stuff, I just wanted, I want to treat them as like normal humans and, and, and just to see what happens. Just like smaller. It, well, yeah, I just, I'm, well, I'm kind of using them as a test case. Like, are they going to come to me and be like, dad, my windows is all weird now. You know, it's like, you know, stuff change. Cause I, there are some minor visual things or I'm kind of, what I'm expecting actually is that they just weren't at no point are they even going to notice. They're just never going to say anything. And I'm going to go look like, Hey, you got the anniversary update. And then yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering on the Xbox what happened there. Yeah, they're so. pretty adaptable, I've found. You know, yeah. Certainly, yeah. The kids that I've yeah, seen. Except, they, they, except my kids turned on the, accidentally turned on the, the narrator. <laughs> Where it would say like, you know, back button, back button, you know, and, 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 and it, and for whatever reason too, my son had to log on every time and it was driving him crazy. And I just kept hearing the Xbox say that and it was on for like a week. And he finally, he's like, dad, where's the setting? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, just look around for it. And it was like driving him absolutely nuts. Cause every single time he would move focus, it would actually say what was in focus. Yeah. Um, and after a week he turned it off. I didn't want to provide assistance. I wanted him to figure it out on his own. It's funny though, actually, you know, I need to caveat what I said i think kids are adaptable when it comes to electronics when it comes to yeah. physical things you move something four inches to the right i can't find it where is it, where is it? <laughs> yeah. oh. oh it's right oh there yeah. it is yeah sure <laughs> yeah that's that's such a good point yeah so at, at build this year microsoft announced that everybody's xbox ones uh can be turned into a developer kit mm-hmm. and that we can de- dev right against the, the xboxes we already have yeah so i need know, three years coming do- yeah. So how do we do that? And then what's like the development process like working with Xbox One hardware? So, well, before you, uh, Darren, I know you're going to answer. Before you do, I think the one question that every developer will want to know about that is, is it going to wreck my Xbox and it has to become a dev box and you could toggle between them and go back to normal mode? Yes. So, and it deletes that, your saved games. no no it doesn't oh my god they're gonna love that we're in trouble (laughs) yeah that needs to be the sound bite (laughs) yeah so it's it's very interesting in terms of how this is being achieved but fundamentally you download an application that you install onto your xbox that activates dev mode you execute that application and it invites you to go to uh, dev.windows.com, Xbox Activate, and it gives you a code and says, go and enter this in to uh, Xbox Activate. So you go out to that website and the first thing you have to do there is you then have to log in with a Windows developer account. And so there's your first gate. You gotta make sure you're signed up for Windows developer. Once you've logged in as a Windows developer, you can enter in this code and I think you can have up to three Xboxes that are registered to your account that you can leverage as development machines. So once that particular handshaking has occurred, your Xbox is then prepared to switch to a developer mode. And so that developer mode is a completely new runtime environment for your Xbox. So when you ch- and when you say prepared, that's a big download. Yes, yes, it's got to do a bunch of downloads. I mean, <laughs> oh, effectively, okay. you know, Xbox effectively runs a hypervisor, and so this is. 
essentially a new operating system that's going to be run up on underneath the hypervisor environment. And the great thing about that is it's completely sandboxed away from your production game system or your home entertainment system and so on and so forth. Never the twain shall meet in that once you've yeah. downloaded that update and once you've transitioned into Xbox or Xbox developer mode, your Xbox will reboot and it will launch a new operating system that has all of the developer tools on there has no access to your games, no access to your game saves, so you can't create some little hack utility that's going to go in and make your level 999 in Witcher. You know, Right. You can't debug Halo. Exactly. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. They're not available. And so you, you can imagine that sitting behind a lot of this is a whole bunch of licensing requirements to make sure that people can't get in and see any of this stuff. So you're in a new environment. You have this dev home UWP application that allows you to see what your IP address is, set up your uh, Windows device management portal, um, register uh, developer accounts that log in so you can actually have a logged in user. You can actually see the installed UWP applications that are available. You can see the status of uh, Xbox Live and make sure those services are available. Mm -hmm. And so you're in a completely different environment. Yeah, and you can switch. Uh, back. That's a, you know a lot of developers will wonder whether or not you can use Xbox Live in a UWP app on Xbox One. Yeah, only if you're uh, on a whitelist. So there's right. there's a few application vendors out out there that require it still, but the general guidance is you don't need to use it for UWP anymore, which actually dramatically right. simplifies development for uh, the Xbox. Uh, developers who are used to writing for Xbox in the previous world, when they were even whitelisted, um, they had things like. Um, achievements for productivity apps mm -hmm. and those aren't part of this either yes. so this really is it really feels like uwp on desktop on xbox just geared towards a 10-foot experience yeah. okay okay yeah so if you know like like i'm sure netflix will be the, the perfect example of an, a an app where there's so much reuse from the, what they've accomplished on desktop they'll be able to pull it over it'll be interesting do, do you know darren do, does xbox have the same uh, just do they have a an adaptive app or do you think they have two apps? What would you do if you were them? So I know because I'm writing one, um, st the Stars application. I'm actually working yeah. on that. So that will be coming out um, sometime soon. Um, we're actually building a dedicated Xbox experience. And yeah. uh, because that's actually going to be the primary launch for their UWP application. So we're focusing on the 10-foot experience first. Their UWP gives us a number of different ways to build our UI. You know, if we're actually using a consistent experience and we're going to be scaling, say we want to use a, a hamburger menu and want that across all platforms, then you can very much use adaptive and responsive design approaches in, and have single views. If you're going to have a different visual experience between those things, then you actually probably want to build custom views for a particular uh, family. And that's what we're doing with yeah. the Stars application is building a, a custom view that's really very similar to their other um, tempered experiences, uh, but bringing it to the Xbox. Yep. I think we hear this recommendation over and over. As you as you cross family, you really start reproducing your app rather than old, super dynamically adapting it. Yeah. It's just, that's a headache for developers and designers and main, maintaining developers. Yeah, the key thing about that though is when you say reproducing, we're redoing the front end most of the back end, well, pretty much all of the back end is identical. You know, your same service right. calls, same business logic. You can even maintain the same view models if it makes sense. You're just building customized views that, say yeah. for the Xbox, you may simplify your UI. Instead of having 15 controls on there, you might coalesce that around five core um, functions that you perform on there and so on. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what about uh, remote debugging? So, you know, I have the Xbox set up in developer mode. Mm-hmm. Like, can I actually step through the code on my in Visual Studio and be running it on my Xbox? Absolutely. It's wouldn't it be awful if you couldn't? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, you, you should oh. say document dot write over and over and over. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> it still it still happens out there, man. I mean, where it's like you know you, you not know. in the Microsoft world. Yeah, 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 but it used to be you know like build, deploy. You know, it's like five minutes oh, yeah. and then you run it. Ah, that's not what I wanted. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's actually oh. it's actually a, a very interesting flow that they have now. It's uh, in Visual Studio two thousand and fifteen. I think it was update three. Um, they introduced a new kind of logon capability for authentication for uh, remote devices. And so in Visual Studio, you enter in the IP address of the system you want to connect to. You um, specify your authentication protocol. And whereas, say, if you're connecting to another Windows box, you might have generally been using Windows authentication. Instead, we use a universal authentication scheme. Yeah. So then we hit deploy. And it's not code for so much easier. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Easier. You hit deploy and it starts to reach out to the Xbox and it goes, oh, we haven't established a relationship yet. And so what you get is you go onto the Xbox and you open up the developer home application. And there's a section in there which says pair with Visual Studio. So you're going to add a new pairing relationship and it gives you a five character code. You take You're that authorizing it, yeah. Exactly. You take that five-character code. You enter it into the uh, pin dialog that shows up inside Visual Studio, and that that establishes the relationship. And from that point forward, you can keep connecting backwards and forwards. Perfect. It's very very and simple. Now, Darren, I could, there's a lot of developers listening, and they're like, "Okay, I'm going to have to download this episode, rewind it, pause it, play it, pause it, play it, mm-hmm. in order to get these details." <laughs> okay. It'd be awfully yeah. nice if there was some sort of course. Yeah, that went through all this detail. <laughs> yeah, so hey, wouldn't it be happen. even nicer, Jerry, if it was on like Microsoft Virtual Academy or something? Yeah, yeah. totally free and it, maybe presented by a couple dynamite speakers. Yeah, yeah one of them English. <laughs> hey, do one do of you them know any, English. Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not English though. Exactly. Wait. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. There, so there's a Microsoft Virtual Academy course. Um, okay. What's What's its official name? Uh, moving your app to UWP or I something like so. that. I can't. Yeah. Okay. Or no, after Xbox, using your, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it is it, it hasn't been published yet. <laughs> no. no, so hopefully it'll be published this month. Yes. This is August. Yes. Okay. A little pressure for the team. Yeah. <clears throat> so this episode, it's it's going to be a few days before this goes live. Uh, probably, actually, it's going to be about a week. So the clock is ticking, guys. Okay. So the new Xbox One S has 4K support, which means 4K support for streaming and I, I'm not quite sure what the exact ling- lingo is. So ca- my question is, can I make a 4K UWP app? Basically, yes. I mean, you, what's yeah. what happens, so you know, the point you're, you're making there is your gaming doesn't become 4K. And that's right. That's correct. Mm-hmm. You know, effectively, your gaming resolution is still 1080p. It may will be upscaled if you have a 4K display, but there you're not suddenly going to get a 4K resolution in your games. However, when it comes to the system, so your system menus, all of those things get rendered in 4K. And right. if you have an application, one of the nice things about the way that UWP works is we're dealing with what's called effective pixels. So we lay everything out in terms of an effective resolution that the system then manages behind the scenes in terms of a scaling factor to your display. 
And it's not just going to be scaling up and scaling down bitmaps. It's actually going to apply it so that the fonts are drawn appropriately using all of the available pixel resolution to make them appear as attractive as possible. So yes, your applications absolutely will be able to exploit 4K. However, of course, you're not going to be building your application exclusively for a 4K resolution right. because that won't work across all your different TV experiences. And yeah, because uh, XAML is all vector-based, there's no reason it wouldn't automatically be as good as it can possibly be projected. Yeah. With the exception of perhaps your bitmap uh, assets that you provide. Yes, yeah, you can only up, go yeah. up to, I think 200% is still the top. Yeah, so you might want to be able to add in your, uh, your different scale factor of that digital assets okay. from that yeah. perspective. Yeah, because you could make an app that looks really nice then on a, on a 4K TV mm-hmm. yeah. if you have the Xbox One S. Because just correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the original Xbox One, those apps, even if you hook it up to a 4K TV, are going to be 1080p? 1080p scaled up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it, be, it has to I be scaled so. up either by the TV or your receiver or whatever. Yeah. yeah the Xbox mm-hmm. isn't going to scale up to 4K for you. Okay. Right. All right, so at this point, you know, we've come up with an awesome idea. We've tailored it just for the Xbox. The app's rock solid, and it's not a game. Can I just put that up in the Xbox One store and everybody can download it? Or are there any additional <coughs> restrictions that I might have to think about as a developer? So the key thing is we actually have a single app store now across all of Windows, mm-hmm. Windows 10. There's no Xbox app store. Mm-hmm. All it right. will be is you'll flag your um, application in the uh, Windows store as targeting the Xbox family. Yeah, so right now if you submit an app to dev.windows.com, uh, there's a checkbox. One of them is desktop, one of them is mobile, one of them is HoloLens, and there now there's one that says, I don't know if it says Xbox or Xbox One, but it's Xbox One. Yeah, so it's as easy as that. Okay. It's, it's, it's drag and drop. You just point and click. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In a way, it is actually that easy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In comparison so, to what it used to be like, it's insanely simple now. Yeah. That's awesome. So because it's so simple now, are there any examples of UWP apps that are already in the Xbox store that you guys know about? So Since so, last week? Certainly the yeah. Netflix app was a launch app that's available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one. Pro- probably Hulu too, I would guess. Yeah. Some of these big, bigger names, but I don't know that. I just am guessing now. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I, I will say another benefit of having it in a single store like this is that you get licensing as well, so that I can buy my application on my phone uh-huh. and run it on desktop without having to buy it again. Mm-hmm. And of course, the developer gets to choose whether or not that's actually how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, if you set it to be that way, just as a purchase price app, then you get it across all the families for a single purchase. That's nice for in-app purchases as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is like the best example of a UWP app in the store right now? You think it's probably like something like Netflix? I would say so. The funny thing is, you know, I'm developing on it. And so in developer mode, because I'm in that sandbox, I can't access the store. So I can't see what's on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like coding in the dark room in the basement. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. pizza and get away. You've been yeah. watching so, me again. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of performance can I expect? So obviously, you know, if I'm doing like a, well, I guess this sort of leads into a different question is whether or not I get GPU support. Cause I'm thinking on the, on the Xbox and I don't know a lot about its architecture, but I'm guessing it has a really good GPU relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And the CPU is probably like nothing to get too excited about. It's probably not like a quad core I seven or anything. Um, so like, you know, how does that affect my actual performance or does that not really come into play? Let's start with a desktop. On the desktop side, mm-hmm. you're already guaranteed a certain percentage of the CPU, and you're already guaranteed a certain memory allocation that you, and a, a, a quota yeah. that you can't go over, as well as network usage and things like that. 
That flows into Xbox as well, but Darren, there are different numbers on Xbox. There's different numbers, yes, absolutely. So, you know, I think you get 75% of the GPU uh, and those kind of uh, factors. Um, because again, as we were talking about, you know, we're in a virtualized environment, and I believe we actually even use app virtualization to start up the UWP apps on the Xbox. And so, you know, when you first launch a UWP app, it says, please wait, we're getting your application ready for launch. And that's it provisioning up that environment for it to run. So because it's running inside Hypervisor, you've got these additional quotas that can be placed on the application. That's another reason why they don't want to have gaming experience inside that UWP environment, because it is throttled, and you're not going to get that the kind of throughput that you would expect if you had a full-blown right. game release. Yeah, that, yeah, and you get things like suspension and all these mm -hmm. things that could totally wreck your game. Uh, Darren, um, do I have to use Visual Studio 2015 Update 3? You have to start there, or you can use Visual Studio 15 Preview 3 as well. That actually works okay. really well for development as well. Okay. Which do you use? I use uh, Visual Studio 15 Preview 3. Okay. I, I cool. love the XAML edit and continue. It is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds cool. So, so again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of ask the question again, but I'm just like raw CPU power. I mean, does that ever really come into play? Like, is it is it ever an issue? I'm I'm trying to think of an application that that would use like a lot of you know I don't know. So I'm doing some kind of math type thing or something where I, I am actually using the CPU a lot. Like, is the Xbox? Is it ever really an issue how powerful that CPU is? It is resource constrained. Um, yeah. you know, the application I'm working on right now, one of the things that we do is we pull down a lot of uh, JSON that we pass and uh, build out catalogs and so on and so forth. And so you know, we make uh, good use of the extended splash screen uh, whilst we're doing an initial ramp up. And we uh, do some other tricks to have things running you know, on parallel tasks and so on and so mm -hmm. forth to get these things staged as we're going forward. So yes, you'll definitely notice the difference if you're used to running on your uh, Surface Book and you jump onto the Xbox. As you say, you know, the graphics card is an extraordinary uh, piece of engineering on the Xbox. We're not leveraging it that much in terms of um, our uh, overall performance. But in Windows Anniversary Edition, there's a whole slew of composition-based features that allow you to do some really uh, interesting animations and oh, beautiful and so animations. on and so forth. Yeah. And because we've got such a powerful graphics card sitting on the Xbox, we're able to make full use of those to make our applications really attractive. So, mm. you know, Certainly, if you're doing a lot of calculations, a lot of number crunching, doing a lot of m memory manipulation and so on and so forth, you'll notice a bit of a performance hit versus what you're doing on, um, say, the desktop. But if you're making good use of understanding whether you should be using a task because you're I.O. bound or a thread because mm -hmm. you're CPU bound, then you can actually get across that and you still should have a very, very smooth UI experience. Okay. And a lot of developers building UWP have already had to start thinking this way because of phone anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's just that same kind of muscle memory that they're going to be using yeah. in Xbox as well. Yeah, and I guess the the other um, thing you probably run into, I mean, all us developers, we probably are all running SSDs. And then you go to the Xbox and you don't have an SSD. So that's probably a little bit of a learning challenge too. Like you said, with the IO, just doing uh, asynchronous programming properly so that you're you know, you're not saying like, oh, I'm going to read, you know, this massive file from the disk or whatever, and I'll just make the user wait for that, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you just lock up the UI while that's happening. Like you probably, you can do that. Maybe you can get away with that locally because the disk is so fast, but, you know, you just have to keep that in mind. But the fact that you can do edit and continue and use your Xbox remote, it you, you're going to see all that stuff in real time. So that's yeah. really awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, Darren, I'm going to ask, let me ask you a couple of questions that I think developers might want to know. Um, would you want... Um, can I use Cortana? Yes. 
You can use Cortana on the Xbox One. You can't use it inside your app. There are certain things you can use in, in your app. So, for example, if you happen to be building a media application, then the Cortana media commands are interacting with the system media transport control, which is the thing that controls play and so on and so forth. And so those commands will work with your application. But you can't do the things that... Um, we started to do in Windows 10, which is creating voice commands for custom launching of your applications, voice commands that you're listening to inside of your application. You can't leverage them at this point. Can I access the file system? You can access the file system. You just can't access all of it. So, you know, as with most uh, store applications, you're siloed in that you've got your own uh, file system hive that you can interact with, and you can do that without any problem using storage file and so on and so forth. Uh, you can't interact with, say, things like photos or whatever because you actually don't have photos on the uh, Xbox One. So there's some limitations there moving across to Xbox One from desktop, but you know, in general, those things are the same. So I should make a Photos app for Xbox. <laughs> exactly. Connect. You can, um, so for, as an example, if your photos are in OneDrive, then there's a OneDrive yeah, API no, yeah. that you can leverage and so on. Yep. Mm -hmm. I've actually, because there is a OneDrive client though for Xbox, right? Because mm -hmm. I remember looking at, yeah, my photos and videos and stuff in there. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, you can use so, it. Yeah. Go ahead, say, the Carl. Biggest, the biggest thing that I wanted to know that if you could use with Xbox, can you use template 10 with Xbox? Yeah, that's the real question, people. Well, the answer is you will be able to. <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> the, the template 10 Man, it's uh, such a good setup, and then you got this that. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, none, none of, if you're writing specifically for anniversary update, template 10 um, hasn't released its anniversary update update. Okay. Yeah, just because you're just going on podcasts and conferences and yeah. not getting your real work Swanning done. around. <laughs> not getting your real volunteer work done. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. It's all community service. <laughs> <laughs> it was that or pick up litter. Yeah. <laughs> How about I write a framework? Nice. The, the so what that. about uh, Smart Glass? Can I use that somehow? So Smart Glass um, is really a sort of deprecated from a certain perspective. There's a, this new thing called Project Rome which is your uh, evolution of Smart Glass. Instead of just something that's targeted Xbox exclusively, it's now for Windows 10. It's for Windows 10 universal apps, and it's a second screen experience that you can leverage across the board. Okay. Across the board, guys. I mean, so think of this. You can open up your app on Xbox One yeah. and execute a background service that you've written on your phone. It's in, that, that, that's in Germany. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. And expensive, it's not done apparently, in, if it's on in local Germany. network. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. what does that mean for, like, smart glass on iPhone, then? Well, all of the, um, the Xbox applications that are cross-platform, those are all moving to Rome. I don't know whether they've moved okay. to Rome already. I'm not, I don't have privy into that. But that's yeah. fundamentally the new foundation. It's one of the things I kind of threw out um, earlier on is that the Windows device portal so that's a new http server that you can connect to on any windows 10 device that gives you access as long as you enable it it's not a security hole don't give away the golden key um it nobody does nobody that. does that no <laughs> <laughs> um that allows you to monitor remotely your system. You can see a lot of performance metrics. You can actually see the Xbox version of the portal allows you to see UWP apps, their status, whether in suspension or not. You can actually bring them forward. You can actually screenshots. I was going to say you can actually easily grab a screenshot 
which um, when you're building these high fidelity uh, user interfaces, you know, designers who live in Photoshop really like you to give you a bitmap so that they can then overlay and go, oh, I must see you're off by three pixels on this one and uh, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. It's very annoying, um, but it's a great feature. Yeah. I was just thinking like I could VPN into my home and I could bring an Xbox controller into work here and I can actually play my home Xbox here from work. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't do uh, multiplayer. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking cuz that that streaming for Xbox is just so cool. It is. Because my my yeah. kids, you know, they kept they're just like, oh, you're on the TV. We want to use it for this, and it's like, go to your room, go play it from your computer. You know, that's yeah, streaming yeah. over that. And it's just or even split screen. I was I was talking to somebody at at that conference. And he's yeah. like, oh, I wish Halo Five had split screen. I'm like, you don't have a computer. <coughs> I guess it's it's easy and awesome. Yeah, exactly. And then they were then they didn't realize you could do like multiplayer over it. So mm-hmm. you know, they're just like, well, then then you know, Alex can't play, and I'm like, you can play multiplayer on the streaming. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just like a remote screen. So are your kids like? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, because they didn't figure that out. <laughs> they didn't know you could multi. No, it's just it is funny. Like they 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 do the streaming, you know, and they think nothing of it. And then it's just like, oh, we didn't know you could do multiple. Like, well, I don't know what made them think that they couldn't. Yeah, It's just really weird. I don't know. Developing brains, you know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, anything that we didn't mention that you want to mention? Well, um, one of the things, if you install, if you put in a, a new game right now on Xbox, like the first thing it has to do is download all the assets, you know, before you can really play. If you put a, if you download a UWP, you have the as a developer, you have the option whether or not you break up your assets so that's a smaller download and you uh-huh. can play faster kind of idea. Oh, because I've seen uh, that. I download a game and then it says like you can start playing now. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, because you're halfway in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so UWP still has that same metaphor that we had on the desktop, where I can take my big, you know, assets and my small assets and bundle them into two separate packages, and you get whichever one's right for you. But um, the it's worth saying that the uh, <laughs> Xbox always gets the best, so it's always going to be the largest download. Ah, interesting. Because okay. you start at two hundred percent. Well, I got a fiber connection <laughs> now, so I'm not afraid of downloads. Yeah, because it's mostly <laughs> yeah, about. No, you don't, Jason. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> only right. thing. Yeah, you got my landscapers cut it, so they're they're working on that right now. So yeah, I I have I have LTE. Is <laughs> all I have. So yeah, big big downloads are an issue. Okay, anything else? Um, one thing I would say is, you know, obviously the Windows anniversary on the Xbox is a work in progress at this moment in time. So there are some features that are in, aren't in there. This is the first release. We found a couple of um, bugs and issues in the platform that we've reported in that are getting worked on. Okay. Um, so you know, you might run into some of these things, and uh, you know, it is yeah. But if you're if yeah, if you're a developer, I would say you know that shouldn't scare you off. Exactly. As a as a user, you know, wait another week and it'll be fixed. Yeah. Right. 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 Not week, but right. In fact, think of well, whatever the amount groups. of unit of time is. There's like all the features that work today, which is pr- has to be closer to like seventy to eighty percent, and then you've got this all the ones that will never work, right? Like inking. Yeah. I don't want to say never, but at least for a while. But then you have these ones that just haven't caught it yet, but they didn't want to miss the anniversary update window. And so right. they released it anyway. And all of they've dedicated to put all of those in. And it's just a matter of time now. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. You're like, ah, this, this would be awesome on Xbox. It belongs in Xbox. It just doesn't work on Xbox. Well, you've identified one of those that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. Because the team wants it to be in parity. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, Carl, do we have any tips of the week or just nothing? No, I, I'm, I'm going to call lazy. <laughs> oh, and we got the game, which I actually, all the cards are here. So we're running out of questions at home, but I happen to be in the office. Totally prepared, opening it right now. 
Drum roll, please. Okay. Ah, is he going to be as interesting as the last one? <laughs> we'll start with it. Jerry probably wants to start, so I'm going to pick Darren. Okay. <laughs> Darren, pick a number between one and four Three. inclusive. <laughs> with, <laughs> oh, my God. Would you rather be great at making loud, rude noises with your armpits? Done. or you got to pick one though or be great at whistling tunes out of your nose even even though a little snot comes out with the music (laughs) oh i think it's got to be the last the latter yeah nose whistling for the win (laughs) yeah that's that's so unique i mean anybody can make loud noises with their arm yeah Yeah, that's true even jerry nixon yeah (laughs) okay jerry pick a number uh one one okay would you lo- rather take a long, bumpy ride sitting jammed in the baby seat of a small shopping cart? <laughs> so it's not, it's not, it's not just a baby seat; like it's a small. Which also shopping means cart. I'm backward. Which is, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, backwards. Right. Okay, long bumpy ride. I don't know how you're going to fit in it, but we're going to fit you in there somehow. Or take a long small ride legs. in the empty part of a cement truck that usually holds the cement and is turning. That sounds with a skateboard. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> with a skateboard, yeah. Except, yeah. Is, I added is it pitch black though? I mean, that makes everything a little crazy. Especially once you fall. How do you ever? Yeah. How long is this ride? Well, especially yeah, when one of those stirring veins comes down and encourages you to move. <laughs> well, no. If you were in the shopping cart in the cement truck, then you'd be fine, I think, because it would always keep you at the bottom. No, they you got the stirring veins. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those have been taken out for the yeah right. Oh, here, Carl. We'll let you play. Pick a number. Number two. Number two. Would you rather wake up to find your neck has grown five inches longer or that your rear end has doubled in size? <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's, it's, it's rear end. This, this feels a little too close for comfort. <laughs> Doesn't that happen I'll, I'll when you So neck 14. or rear end, Carl? <laughs> yeah, I'll go with the long neck. Because I think number two already happened, so. <laughs> you know what? At the, the quadruple. <laughs> That's good. Oh, oh, man. All right, let's hear yours, Jason. Oh, yeah. You always yeah, make do the remaining so I'm going to do the last one. In gym class, would I rather have the to race the fastest kid in school and lose or race the slowest kid but just barely win? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll pick the fastest kid. Oh, I probably yeah, would barely win. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's probably the reality. That's probably what I would do. On one leg. <laughs> I'm just bad. I'm evil. Oh, uh, okay. So obviously you guys have an awesome uh, Microsoft Virtual Academy course, which we'll try to promote the heck out of because that sounds really super awesome. But where else can people find you guys? Go ahead, Darren. Well, I'm on Twitter at Darren May. Okay. Um, website is HTTP crank to 11.com. Okay. Um, which is awesome. Yep. So generally there, you'll, there's obviously lots of videos of us on uh, Virtual Academy waxing lyrical and sometimes imparting useful information. Okay. Um, uh, Darren sold one of his R's, so he's only got one R in Darren. Yeah. Yeah. It's in indentured servitude somewhere. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> Bought your your transatlantic flight. Exactly. The, um, I am at jerrynixon.com, at jerrynixon.com. There you go. On the Twitters. Okay. Yeah, on that. the Twitters. Jerry.Nixon at Microsoft.com. You can email me too. How about that? Oh, yeah. Here, come, here comes the mail, man. Spamtastic. <laughs> okay. I won't answer you. And, and, yeah. <laughs> no change there, <laughs> then. Rule. If you're external, it just goes in the, the trash directly. Right. And where can people find you, Carl? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. 
And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Darren and Jerry, thank you so much for coming on here uh, yet again. But you guys always have such good information. So we always appreciate it when you come on. And you know that you're always welcome. So thank you so much. It's great Thanks, to be guys. here.